calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the role of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is not what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts. Welcome, friend. Follow me. We're going somewhere dark, somewhere dangerous. Most people would never dare enter the place we are going. There's no telling what horrors we'll find, what terrors we'll uncover. Don't say I didn't warn you. We might discover terrible monsters lurking there. Be careful, they could follow you out. Or maybe they're already inside you. Are you afraid? Good. Now you are ready to enter the Warning Woods. Have you ever heard of Harrison's Antiques? It's just a little shop off of Main Street to most people, but to me, it's my livelihood. I'm Harrison. Not only do I own and operate the little antique store with my wife, Melody, but we live in the apartment above it, too. Sometimes I joke that we wouldn't ever leave the building if we didn't need to eat. I'm going to take you back to about two months ago. This would have been January, if I remember correctly. It was an ordinary Friday. I was examining our accounts in the back while Melody tended the shop and readied it for the weekend rush. I heard the bell over the door ding in Melody's sweet hello. Then I heard another voice, low and rushed. Melody kept trying to cut in, but the customer wouldn't let her speak. He spoke too quickly for me to understand. I got an uneasy feeling and stepped into the shop. I wanted whoever had come in to see Melody wasn't alone, in case they had ill intentions. Melody stood across the counter from a small man in a large coat and thick winter hat. He wore big sunglasses that hid a significant portion of his face. Hiya, I said as friendly as I could manage. The man heaved something he had been holding near his waist onto the counter. The object landed heavily on the glass countertop so hard I worried it had cracked. By the time either Melody or I could react, the man spun around and disappeared through the door. The bell jingled to signal his departure. 
What was that all about? I asked Melody. I'm not sure. He asked if we take donations, and I told him we could appraise whatever he had or try to consign it. He said, under no circumstances do I want this back. And then you came out and he... She trailed off and looked at the object the man had left behind. He had wrapped it in a sandwich bag. Dare to see what it is? Melody asked. While I walked across the shop to examine the bag, I sorted my thoughts. Weirdos often came into the shop with junk from their late relative's house or random items they didn't want anymore. But one thing the weirdos all have in common is they demand way too much for their junk. I've never had someone demand we take an item for free. That's what Goodwill and Salvation Army are for. I reached the counter and met Melody's eyes. She shrugged. I shrugged back and picked up the bag. The object inside was heavy. I carefully unwound the mouth of the bag and peeked inside. It's a snow globe, I announced, somewhat disappointed. I removed the bag so Melody and I could get a good look at the globe. It certainly looked intriguing. Rather than the typical wintry scene, there were three carousel horses inside the globe. A miniature red merry-go-round cover adorned the top, and the base, which curved and swirled with ornate patterns, was painted gold. There were openings in the base through which I could see a colorful wheel. I located the winding key on the bottom and gave Melody a hesitant glance. Go ahead, she said. I twisted the key until it stopped. When I let go, an eerie circus tune chimed out of the bass and the horses started spinning. The rotating motion kicked up sparkling glitter which swirled around the horses as they spun. The wheel in the bass spun too. It displayed little forest animals, rabbits, squirrels, and the like, peeking through the openings before seeming to run away. Hand it over. I'll see if I can find a value online, Melody said, sticking out her hand. I passed her the snow globe and didn't think about it again for the rest of the day. I stayed up late reading that night, not for any particular reason besides maybe the late cup of espresso I had made myself. The clock showed 12.27 when I heard the bell ding downstairs. My chest tightened. I suddenly couldn't remember if I had locked the shop door. Had Melody... We had done it so many times it just became habitual. I don't think either of us had ever forgotten to do it, but maybe something had distracted us from our usual routine and it got missed. I sat up and listened for any more sounds to indicate someone inside. That's when I heard the song, the cheery dinging tune from the snow globe. Although I didn't immediately recognize it in the moment, we had a variety of music boxes and other such devices in the shop. Sliding out of bed, I grabbed my phone and a flashlight. I chose not to wake Melody yet. She had a tendency toward panic, and I didn't think rousing her would be helpful. I snuck out of the room and closed the door. I dialed 911, but didn't press call. I just wanted to have my phone ready in case I needed it. Turning the flashlight on, I went downstairs. I surveyed the shop from the base of the stairs. The snow globe's tune started to become slower and less rhythmic as the machine wound down. I momentarily regretted the organized chaos of our shop floor. Furniture pieces of various sizes created all sorts of hiding places for someone. Across the shop, I could see the door was closed and locked as it should have been. So why had the bell rung, I wondered. The bell was connected to a motion sensor. 
The door didn't necessarily have to open to set it off, but something had to go through it. The longer I stayed down in the shop, the more courage I gained. Once the jaunty tune died away and the silence returned, I became confident no one else was inside. I performed a quick sweep to be sure, but didn't see anything out of place. As I turned my back to the shop, the bell rang again. I spun around to see what had caused the noise, but there was no one there. Nothing had moved. I couldn't understand how it happened, but thought something was wrong with the bell. Only the bell. Satisfied, I went back to bed. The next day was totally normal, if I recall correctly. No details protruded from my memory enough to recall now. But that night, I heard the bell again. I almost didn't get out of bed this time. But then I thought, well, the bell didn't ring on its own all day. I figured if there were some issue with the bell, some technical glitch, it wouldn't only manifest at night, would it? Adequately curious, but not as nervous as I was the night before, I went downstairs. This time I only took the flashlight. I pointed the light and heard a loud thud. I stifled a shout as I ducked behind a bulky stationery. Who's there? I already called the police. I lied, hoping whoever had come in would be encouraged to leave quickly. I waited for another sound, another sign of movement, but none came. The longer I waited, the less real the sound seemed. I wondered if I had actually heard it. Maybe I was more on edge than I thought. I peeked around the stationery and started examining the rest of the store. The door was locked again. I looked at the register, closed and secure. Nothing out of place. I caught movement in the corner of my eye and jumped. The bell dinged. I saw something shift by the door. I shone my flashlight there, but the only movement I saw was the bell swinging as if the door had just been opened. As the dinging faded, so did a portion of my confidence. Something strange was going on, something I wasn't equipped to handle or understand. In the way one forgets a horrible nightmare or a midnight argument with a spouse, I woke the next morning without thinking about the odd events of the previous night. After a strong cup of coffee, I went downstairs to open the shop. Melody was still in the shower. Otherwise, I might have thought to mention the mysterious happenings to her. I unlocked the door and flipped the sign to say, Come on in, we're open. On my way to the register, I noticed something odd. Someone had left thick, smudged fingerprints on the glass. Curious, I lifted the case's lid as high as I dared and dropped it. The sound matched the sound I heard the night before perfectly. My mind transitioned from nervous curiosity to uneasy fear. I wondered if I should report the weirdness to the authorities. I did a quick inventory of the case's contents and determined everything was there, including the snow globe. I decided it was time to let Melody in on the mystery. When she came down, all done up for the day, I told her everything. As I worried she might, she wanted to call the police. What if there's evidence here? What if the cops could stop this criminal before they do something terrible? First of all, I replied, we don't know any crime has been committed. Nothing's been taken, broken, or damaged. The door's been locked the whole time. I don't think the cops would even bother lifting the prints on that case. Real life isn't like the crime shows, Mel. Mel grunted. I convinced her to hold off on making any reports. I thought it would just make things worse, complicate our situation further. It turned out, the situation didn't need our help to get worse, though. The night came, 
and with it another inexplicable bell ring. This time, I did ignore it. I had promised Melody we would involve the police the next time something weird happened, so I thought it best just to leave the shop alone. I couldn't report something I didn't see. But after I saw the shop the next morning, I called the police without any prompting from Melody. The front door was wide open, and so was the glass case that had been smudged the previous night. Once again, nothing was missing, but the rest of the scene was highly disturbing. As I had suspected, the police couldn't or wouldn't do much. Nothing had been taken or damaged, including the door. It had simply been opened and left that way. I could tell the officer who took the report thought we had just left it unlocked and someone had made their way inside. I left Melody to tend the shop that afternoon and went out to purchase a security camera. Besides satisfying my own curiosity, I thought the police might be more helpful if I could show them what was happening. When I returned to the store, I found Melody staring at the case with a puzzled look. Don't worry about it too much. We'll get to the bottom of, I started to say. Melody cut me off. He just came back, she said. I dropped my shopping bag and ran around the corner. Are you all right? Did he do anything? What happened? No, no, Harrison, not the intruder. The guy. The man who gave us that snow globe. Oh, it took me a full minute to settle down. My body had gone into defensive mode and it didn't want to listen when I told it we were safe. Did he want it back or something? I finally asked. No, he just wanted to make sure it was still here, she said. He knows we're trying to sell it, right? I asked. Melody just nodded and shrugged. She was tired, worried. I showed her the new camera, hoping it might relieve some of her stress. I told her we would figure out what was happening soon. And I was right. The bell rang again that night. Excitedly, I grabbed my phone and pulled up the camera feed. Night vision green filled the screen. Besides the lazy bell, there was no movement in the shop. I waited, watching, hoping to catch someone in the act. As I watched, the glass case's heavy lid slowly opened on its own. I thought I might be dreaming, but as far as I could tell, I was conscious. As soon as the lid stopped moving, I heard the snow globe's song. While staring at the screen, I noticed a small icon in the corner. The letters IR. I remembered reading something on the camera box about an infrared mode. I hadn't expected it to be any good. It certainly hadn't been a factor in my purchase but I decided to try it out. I touched the icon and the screen turned black. Everything was dark except one pale blue shape right in front of the glass case. As the melody rang out through the shop, the shape moved. I tried to make the camera zoom in and it made a small whirring noise. The blue shape jerked. It had a face. Two black eyes stared hollowly at me through the camera. I heard the case slam shut and the shape disappeared. I fumbled the phone as I switched the camera back into night vision mode, and by the time the normal screen returned, whatever I saw had vanished. The bell was jingling madly and the front door was wide open. I shook Melody awake and called the police again. They came quickly, and to our surprise, they brought someone with them. The man who had given us the snow globe. Do you recognize this guy? One officer asked. Yes, he gave us an item to sell a few days ago, Melody answered. We were on our way here and saw him ducking behind a corner outside, the officer said. He says he didn't have anything to do with the break-in. 
It wasn't me, I swear, the man said. He's telling the truth, I said. It wasn't him. The man looked at me, surprised. Are you sure? The officer asked. Yes, I installed a camera. It wasn't him. Of course, the police wanted to see the footage, so I showed it to them. They laughed at the blue shape on the infrared. They told us cheap infrared cameras like ours couldn't really be trusted. They said it was probably just a glitch. They admitted the rest of the video was strange and asked me to send them a copy, though. Once I did, they left. The man stayed behind. I have a feeling you know something about all of this, I said. The man sighed. I didn't mean to put this on you. I honestly thought it would stop, he said. Thought what would stop, asked Melody. That's snow globe. Someone, something, is attached to it. Melody and I glared at him impatiently until he told the whole story. My wife, Bridget, was in a car accident last year. She ended up in a coma. They said she could still hear, so I visited her every day and talked to her. One day, I thought to bring that snow globe with. It was Bridget's when she was a child. I thought the music might, I don't know, bring her back. Maybe if she heard something familiar, she would wake up. She never woke up, though. After a few weeks, I had to... let her go. I wound the snow globe up for her in her final moments. I thought the melody would comfort her. I remember watching those little horses go round and round and thinking of Bridget watching them as a little girl. I bet she never would have guessed her life would end like that. I'm sorry for your loss, but what does this have to do with the break-in? I asked. When I got home after putting Bridget to rest, I put the snow globe on the bookshelf in our living room where I would see it often and think of her. I started talking to it and... And it started talking back. When I would speak to Bridget, the globe would reply with music. I got so excited I started spending all my time talking to it. It got to where I thought I could understand the responses. She wanted me to let her out. Melody squeezed my hand. Apparently she was as worried about the loony man in our shop in the middle of the night as I was. I had my guard up, but my curiosity wanted the man to continue. I did, the man continued. I let her out. I told her she could go wherever she wanted, and that's when I learned, or at least I now assume, whatever I had been speaking to was not my wife. Over the following days, it went all over the house, destroying any evidence Bridget had ever existed. I found photos torn up or burned. I found her clothes in the trash, along with some of her makeup and personal items I hadn't brought myself to throw away yet. Whatever had gotten into the snow globe had tricked me and now it was trying to take Bridget's place. So you brought it here? Melody asked angrily. I thought it would stop, the man said, but it still comes back to me every night. Somehow, it still finds its way back. I went to the case and pulled out the snow globe. I shoved it into his arms, forcing him to take it. You need to take this to a priest or someone who knows about this stuff, I told him. It can't stay here. The man nodded, defeated. He apologized, then shuffled out of the store. I was furious with him, but I felt sorry for him too. I didn't know how to help. To me, it sounded like he had let something into his life that had no intention of leaving. Neither of us ever saw the man again, but the snow globe made its way back to the shop one day. It came along with various other items from an estate sale. One of our regular customers brought it to us. 
Not sure if any of this stuff is worth anything, she said, but it's just going to the goodwill if you folks don't want it. Some guy died and didn't have anyone to will it to. To this day, I have regrets about turning those items down, at least the snow globe. They all went to goodwill, where I'm sure someone found the globe and took it home. I wonder if they hear anything more than the music when they wind it up. I wonder if anything has asked them to let it out. You made it out. Congratulations. If you enjoyed the story, please rate and review this podcast wherever you like to listen. Reviews are the best way to support the podcast and help it grow. You can also become a patron at patreon.com slash thewarningwoods. If you want more creepy content, including the images that accompany each story, follow me on Instagram at thewarningwoods. If you feel ready, meet me here next week for another journey into the warning woods. Thank you for listening. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.